welcome back to uh, Cup of Joe. It's a little after 5 o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon, <clears throat> here in California anyways, and uh, we've been gone for a couple of weeks. You know, we had Christmas land on a Wednesday, then New Year's landed on a Wednesday, and uh, we're back at it. It's uh, January 8th in the year of 2020. Uh, some would say we're in a new decade, some would say we're Still a year away, but, um, you know, there's a lot going on. We're going to start this show off kind of with a bang. We're uh, going to, again, try to do a one-hour, one-hour show. <clears throat> and um, historically, we haven't been very good at that. But as always, we've got a lot happening, and uh, I want to just kind of refresh everybody. This is a podcast, and... If you want to get involved and you want to call in right now, you can pick up your phone and dial 646-929-2495. And we've got uh, the amazing Becca screening today, and uh, she'll get a little information. And if you just want to call in and listen, um, you can do that as well. Otherwise, we have a live feed all over Facebook, and uh, I think it's if not being simulcast on YouTube, it'll it'll be up on YouTube shortly. This is a show that's brought to you by the Coffee Party and the Coffee Party Radio Network and the Human Solution International, and we're a 501c3 federally recognized nonprofit, and we're a human rights organization, and we believe that we all have the inherent God-given rights of life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, that we believe that we should have the right to choose what we do with our own bodies. We should have the right to choose what we do with our own property. We should have the right to choose anything we want as long as it's not taking away somebody else's rights. And we live in a world where day by day those rights are uh, attempting to be whittled away by a government that we let run rampant. And there's a lot of ways to make change. One of the ways to make change is to empower the people, to teach everybody that if we stand together and we let our voices be heard, that we can get what we want. The government actually has to do what we tell them. The problem is we generally don't tell them to do very much, and so they tend to do what they want, which, as you might imagine, typically benefits them more than it benefits us. And so... Uh, we're going to teach you how to get involved. We're going to teach you that there are so many things that we can do to make a difference, and many of them have to do with just standing together, have to do with uh, joining up as one team. Even if you're part of a bunch of different teams, we're going to give you a pathway to work together. We also very strongly and adamantly believe that prohibition is a terrible thing and should be gone, that we believe in freedom, freedom to grow the plants we want to grow and uh, consume whatever medicine we want to or not be forced to take a medicine that we don't want to take. And we especially believe that no one ever should be in jail or prison for a plant. And historically, we've had a prison outreach program because uh, here in the USA and in many other countries, they have this nasty habit of locking people up because they grew a plant and sold a plant and made medicine out of a plant and whatever you want to say with a plant and turn that into a crime, so much so that some people are currently serving long sentences, even life sentences, if you can imagine that. And we have a few 
prisoners that we've been supporting pretty adamantly lately, and uh, one by the name of Craig Cecil. He's serving life in prison right now as we speak, and he'll probably be calling in shortly from Terre Haute, Indiana, where he's serving a life sentence without possibility of parole. We also have another prisoner that we've been supporting very strongly for a long time, many years, and his name is Michael Thompson, and we've got some uh, some great news potentially coming down his way, and I'm, I'm a little bit premature in, in talking about this, but um, you know what, I, I'm a person who believes in what I do so strongly that I don't worry about when people say it can't happen, and I don't worry uh, if there's a chance it might not happen. I go about things as though they will happen, and generally they do. And Michael Thompson has been uh, locked up for many, many years in, in uh, Michigan, and it's a state case. And he's serving, I don't know, I think it's a 30 to 60 years term. It's ridiculous. It's a, a de facto life sentence. He's in his 60s right now. And um, if his sentence was allowed to be carried out, it, he would probably die in prison. Um, in Michigan, if you know, they have medical cannabis that they've had for many years, and they now have recreational cannabis, which they've now had for a bit. And Michael is in state prison, not federal prison, and it makes no sense whatsoever. We've been working on a number of different uh, methods and, and and schemes and plans and hopes and dreams of getting them out, but we've got some pretty strong uh, knowledge and, and understanding that uh, there's going to be a big push here real soon, and it's a good chance that by the end of the month, Michael Thompson may be a free man. And this is a time when we have an opportunity right now uh, to write a character reference letter on Michael's behalf. And we're going to have a, uh, a call to action on our website in the next day or two that will give you the direction on that. And um, I just had a conversation with a, a team of people uh, yesterday, and uh, it's really exciting. We've been working as a nonprofit for 10 years now, a 501c3 for almost five years, for about five years now. And it's a crazy world. You have all these organizations and groups and people um, that are supposedly working for the same purpose, have all kinds of reasons why they don't want to work with this person, that person, this group, that group. But the truth is some of us don't care about any of that. Some of us just want to get the job done. Some of us just want to see these guys get free, get home. And we're willing to help out and do what we can. And there's a lot of people working tirelessly behind the scenes without any hopes or, or needs or wants or desires of being pot famous or, or, or anything. And then there's people who just have an ability to talk to people. And, and, and again, they're not out there to, to get famous or, or accomplish anything other than make a difference. And I'm blessed to be working with a team of people like that. And I just uh, got done talking with some of the team members of a organization that is involved with a major uh, cannabis uh, dispensary company that's been around for a long, long time. And as a lot of people don't understand 
how things are and how things work. And people think that, oh, well, they're a big company, so there's a problem with them. You know, sometimes a lot of times people think that, well, a big corporation is automatically inherently bad. And yet there's plenty of big companies and, and companies that have been around for a long time that are inherently doing really good work. And they actually have some ability to reach out deeper than many of us little grassroots guys. And uh, we'll be talking about details. I don't want to get too detailed because we don't have anything sealed yet, but it looks really strongly like we're going to be teaming up with a, a powerhouse team. And uh, we're going to be working towards getting Michael uh, not only a place to live when he gets out, but, you know, the, some resources to live on. And um, it looks like we're, we're, we're getting pretty well teamed up. On the other side of that coin, we have a man by the name of Danny Trevino, and he is facing 20 years to life in federal prison, and this is a federal case, and he's also out of Michigan, and he beat a state case. He's been a guest on the show. We've been working with uh, some of his team members, and um, we're working on a sentencing letter, a character reference letter campaign and uh, I'm hopefully that's going to be a press release that's going out today or tomorrow that's going to give you all direction and give you a, a, an opportunity to help, possibly a significant help. Um, this is one of the few opportunities that we have as individuals uh, to make a difference in somebody's life when they're facing uh, the government uh, coming after them uh, in a hard way, and that's what's going on with Danny. Um, I remember working with Danny almost 10 years ago when he was fighting his state case. And um, he beat the state case, and then the feds came in on him. And, you know, the federal government hasn't changed their policy. I know so many people believe that, well, you know, the Congress defunded this and that, the other thing, and, um, you know, guess what? We still have the Controlled Substances Act. And the Controlled Substances Act says this one thing. No, can't have it. You cannot have cannabis, period, at all, zero, zip, nada, none. And it doesn't have anything to say about whether you're operating in a legal state or operating according to state rules. There's no law whatsoever that says anything about that. And when the government wants to, they point their finger at people and they say, you, you broke the law. And the mandatory minimum guideline would say that you – have to go to prison for 10 years, 20 years, all the way up to life. And here we are. We're living in this world where everybody thinks everything's cool. We have dispensaries opening up here and there. There's billboards and free and legal and, and this and that and the other thing. And meanwhile, people still getting locked up. If you're interested in helping out, participating, getting involved in any way, please get a hold of us. The Human Solution International has a website, T-H-S-I-N-T-L.org, and we've got a volunteer page. We've got a place to sign up. We've got a way to get involved. You can sign up, become a member. You can donate. You can decide you want to help us out. There's so many ways to help. And most importantly, right now, you can get involved in our Walk for Change, and we'll be talking about that as the show goes on. I have a couple of guests today, and one in particular, we're going to bring up first, and we have a guest by the name of Dan Behrman, and he is a presidential candidate for the Libertarian Party. 
And uh, we're going to talk about his campaign. We're going to talk about uh, his platform and what he thinks about ending cannabis prohibition and uh, where we are um, in this journey. Dan, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. How are you? I am fantastic. I'm above ground, breathing, and currently out of custody. <laughs> always good to, to be like that. It has not always been the case, so I, I'm grateful every day that it is. So uh, you have quite a get-up on right now, and I'm sure you have a story that goes behind that. Um, yeah. You're, you're running for president of the United States under the libertarian ticket, and um, I'm assuming that you're not big on taxes based on your message that I see on your hat. <laughs> no, not at all. So why don't you tell me a little bit about where, what what uh, what the idea of that is, and and where your stance is on taxes, and and what your you know what your plan would be should you get elected. Sure. So um, this is what we really have to understand about taxes. Everything that we hate about governments, whether it's cannabis prohibition, um, the the private prison system, uh, locking people up for victimless crimes, everything that the government does is all funded by taxes, and it's the same type of coercive system. So when we look at this, you know, a lot of people say, like, oh, but what's going to happen to our roads and police and fire departments and everything else? Well, just because you get rid of taxes doesn't mean you get rid of government or that government can't have any money to operate. Really what it says is you can have as much money as you want, you just can't steal it. And the important part about this is when we have a government that we, we have to pay no matter what, no matter how bad they get, no matter how bad they oppress us, we have to keep paying them, they're, going, they're, they're not going to care what we have to say. They don't want to listen. They're going to continue to lock us up. Um, they're going to continue to destroy our lives. And there's absolutely nothing we can do about it. Now, if you change that to a system where they need to earn our money, they need to be on their best behavior. They need to stop wasting our money. They need to stop blocking us up for victimless crimes. Um, they need to provide good customer service and listen to us when we talk. Then that is a system that's going to actually do that because if they don't, they're not going to have any money to operate. And so that's very, very important. And when we talk about cannabis prohibition, it's really the same thing. It's a bunch of these corrupt politicians in a room saying, well, let's see. These guys over here, we're going to steal their money. Those guys over there, we're going to lock them in a cell because we don't like what they do. We don't like what they smoke, what they consume. That's really how it works, and we need to get out of that system where we just blindly, blindly trust government with all of this power because they've proven they're, they're absolutely incapable of being responsible with it. Well, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things that, that are at stake here, and, you know, I've talked for many years about – uh, the founding fathers and how, you know, 250 years ago, we were in a situation where we were um, lorded over by, uh, by a regime, by a monarchy that um, was many thousands of miles away, and we were being taxed crazily, and, and, and yet we had no voice. And so we, at one point, banded together in little militias and raised up arms and, and stood up against this tyrannical regime at, at great expense, you know, and, and we took great risk, and, and I have relatives that uh, fought in the Revolutionary War, and, um, you know, and I, I've always thought highly of our founding fathers, not so much in the details of every little thing, because surely they were flawed like many, like, like everybody is, but just in right. the willingness to stand up on a principle 
so much so that they were willing to to risk everything and shed blood and 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 you know literally stand up against a a, a giant monitored army with a bunch of pitchforks and muskets. And um, you know here we are today, 250 years later, and you know we live in a world where we're richer than we've ever been. You know every single citizen here has power at our fingertips that's far beyond what anybody back then had, and yet we can't seem to organize ourselves to get a thought together and and you know in in this cannabis movement that i'm part of or the civil rights movement that i'm part of there's uh, you know a hundred different groups and a hundred different uh, specific points of view and and it seems like we're we're our own worst enemy more often than not and you know you look at the political system and you have essentially a two-party system and then we've got a few third-party candidates uh, that are popping up. And every year I notice more and more third-party candidates um, getting involved. And maybe it's because I'm getting older and more involved or get to know more and more people that I am more aware of it. Um, but, you know, in my opinion, the Libertarian Party holds a lot of points of view that are akin, more akin to mine as, as far as, you know, freedom of uh, individual liberties and freedoms. And, you know, some of the candidates I've, I've talked to uh, are all about abolishing the whole you know, federal government, you know, and it's like, okay, right. as much as to me that seems like a grand idea, um, there's got to be a way to make this happen. I mean, I'm part, of, part of my thinking is we have to be grand. We have to, we have to just go after what it is that we want. And I applaud you for that. I think that that's the right thing to do. But I also think that we have to look at this in a way that says, look, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to start this off by just telling you I support what you're doing 100%, but I'm also going to be a, a pretty harsh devil's advocate and lay out some, you know, what I would consider to be obstacles, some of the reasons why I'm not running for president today. And I and I think to myself, well, um, you know, some of us have to just stand up and go for it, and, and enough people need to get behind them. But what is really uh, – we have to get enough people to take us seriously, to really say, you know what? That guy's got a chance. So I'll get with him. And and I wonder, um, you know, the idea of saying, oh, I'm going to come in there and I'm going to I'm going to end the tax system. I'm going to make the federal government uh, earn their money. Well, that's a grand and and great idea, and I agree with it. Actually, 100%. I agree with it. How would we implement something like that? How would you make that work? Right. So um, a lot of interesting questions there. And you know, one thing that I really try to focus on is. Uh, the libertarians have this saying that we just want to take over the government and leave everybody alone. Okay. And for, for the most part, that's really true. But when you talk to some people that, for example, are, um, you know, they put their trust into Social Security, for example, or they're on Social Security, or they're getting ready to retire, and to them that sounds like, wait a minute, it doesn't sound like you're going to leave me alone. It sounds like you're going to take everything I've been expecting my entire life to be able to retire on, and you're going to leave me out to drive. So we really have to understand that there are a lot of complex systems and that since we've had this government in place, we have created this dependency. And just like, uh, you know, just like a heroin junkie who's dependent on the stuff, you can't just pull it out from him because that can actually cause more damage. Um, so we need to understand this and we need to figure out transitional ways to separate ourselves and get rid of that dependency that we all have on government. And it's not going to be something that's going to be a quick transition, but the most important part of this is that we have to get the understanding that the way we're doing it right now is wrong. It's, it's, in fact, it's immoral. It's all based on the system of we're going to 
steal from one group and we're going to force our opinions on another group. And that, that whole mentality we have to rethink and change. And what's really interesting and what I, what I completely understand about the system is that, you know, I'm not just going to walk in to this, you know, the political environment that we have now where everybody's saying, government, give me this, government, give me that. I'm not going to walk in and just win like that. The only way for a person like me to win is when we actually start changing that political conversation and people start understanding, hey, this government thing is actually really not that great. I should stop asking it to solve all my problems. I should solve my own problems. And we should start looking for alternatives um, to all of these problems and programs that the government has that we can, we can create and solve society's problems without having to steal from people to, you know, create an organization for it. I agree. I think, um, you know, one of the things that we have to think about is, you know, there's there are elements of the government that a lot of people have come to rely on. you got Social Security that, you know, many people pay into all their lives, and then they're expecting as, as at least a part of their retirement that this is going to come back and help them out. Same thing that has to do with, you know, Medicaid and, and, and all of the, the, the health coverage um, that, again, most people that have worked for a company all their life, uh, I've been self-employed a good chunk of my life, so, you know, it's kind of a half-and-half half thing. But most people that are paying in, you know, regular taxes, uh, W-2 employees, a big chunk of their paycheck every week goes towards these benefits. And, you know, you've got uh, some political uh, elements that would say, well, you know, that just needs to be scrapped, and we'll just privatize everything. And others are quite the opposite. They want to, you know, socialize the whole thing. And, and, and you know, I, I got to wonder, you know, they say that um, the Social Security is going to run dry before uh, some of us are even going to be able to, to tap into what we've already paid into. Uh, I think there's a lot of, of, you know, really broken elements to this. We've, we've got this sort of not sustainable uh, retirement program. Like in California, we've got the state CalPERS situation, which is a complete disaster. And you have state employees that have been jacking up their retirements um, for, you know, for 20, 30 years. And you got people that are retired making, you know, $100,000, $200,000 a year in retirement money that's getting paid by state taxes. And Every year we live longer and longer, right? I mean, you know, Americans are living uh, a lot longer. You know, 80s the new 70s, 60s the new 50, and 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 so you know, back when these retirement accounts got set up, people lived 55, 60 years old. 65 was you know a good old person. Now 65, you're just getting started, and so you know these things aren't sustainable. And I'm wondering, um, you know, what's how do we deal with that on one side of it and at the other side of it, you know, weaning ourselves from this dependency on our, on our, on our tax dollars? And then, of course, you have the people that say, well, we need to crunch on the, the 1% even harder and let everybody else go a little evener. And then you got other people saying, well, it should just be a flat rate across the board and everybody should just agree on it. And then we got to hold the government accountable. And i got to cut you off right now because i got Craig Cecil calling in from federal prison where he's serving a life sentence for pot, and then we'll get back to you, but we'll keep you on while we're talking. All right. Charged with this call. This call is from... Right. An inmate at a federal prison. 
This call is being recorded and is subject to monitoring. Hang up. Craig Cecil, how are you doing today? Hello from Terre Haute, Indiana, Joe. <laughs> how are you doing today? Welcome. Happy New Year. Well, it, it's definitely a hopeful New Year for me. I'm, I'm hoping last year a whole bunch of bad things happened. As you know, I got beat up. They're still holding all my legal papers. Now they're holding my mail. It just And the logic being is that's their way of protecting their officers from getting into trouble for beating up people. But uh, So this year I'm going to find a way to remedy that, and things are going to be better. And hopefully the MORE Act and some other changes uh, will inspire our congressmen to do something to change our marijuana criminal laws. Well, you know, it's interesting. I'm sitting here with a libertarian candidate who's running for president right now. And he's um, he's sitting here right, well, uh, virtually right here with me, uh, listening to you speak right now. So um, what would you say to somebody who is um, running on a third-party ticket um, in, in hopes of capturing the highest office in the land? Well, I would say, especially as it relates to marijuana, I would say that the government, you know, it's really not the government's place to regulate what people want to grow and smoke and, and all that. But even more so, uh, I would like to say that a lot of our laws need to be thrown out and a lot of our laws need to be changed or, you know, amended so that uh, the government doesn't rule the people, that the people rule the government. And, uh, you know, it's a cooperative effort. We, we need to get back to that the government reflects what the people actually want. And that's, in many cases, for the government to get out of their lives. You know, um, we had a, a candidate on a, a few weeks ago, and his plan was going to be he was going to get into office, and then he was going to fire himself. And he was going to basically kind of shut down the, the, the federal government and, and let the states kind of run themselves. And, um, you know, my, my question is, uh, this guy's name is Dan Behrman. And, Dan, what would you, uh, you know, what would you do about, you know, you would have this executive power, this uh, – you know, magic finger that every president has, has made bigger and bigger as as the years go by. What would you do with your executive order power regarding any of these things? Well, uh, one thing we're going to look at is all nonviolent criminal offenses that include cannabis charges, tax charges, um, drug charges, money laundering charges, um, nonviolent, non non uh, fraudulent, of course. They're going to get full pardons because these people should not have been in prison in the first place. Um, we're going to deschedule cannabis and a few other drugs so that they're not even um, they're not even on the DEA's list of scheduled drugs, so they're no longer criminal offenses. And we're going to push the states to get rid of their uh, state laws regarding those drugs as well because these are – I mean, if you look at the Ninth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, basically what it says is – you have all kinds of rights as an individual, and just because we didn't list them out in the, uh, in the Bill of Rights does not mean that you don't have those rights, and we still have to protect those. And that goes back to the Declaration of Independence that says you have a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And if smoking weed or consuming any kind of edible cannabis is what makes you happy, you have the right to pursue that, and the government has no right to interfere with that. What do you say about that, Craig? I've heard this call. It's from a federal prison. 
very strongly agree. And uh, the Supreme Court years ago uh, recognized a a right to be left alone. But unfortunately, our government, you know, has kind of fallen away from that. You know, that the government, you know, now requires people to buy certain kinds of health insurance to, you know, to do so many things that just because the government ordered it, that I, I don't think, you know, it reflects the will of most of the people. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, I wanted to get to this this other topic, Craig, and I, I think it might be some good news on your on your behalf. Um, through you know Dee Dee Kirkwood and and all the work that she's been doing with the prisoners, she's put me in touch with a um, a, a project called the Last Prisoner Standing, and um, they're working on uh, helping out some of the folks that are. Uh, you know, in prison, and their goal is, obviously, as the name might, might imply, is to, you know, get everybody that's locked up for cannabis crimes out and to finish this job. And um, they're backed up by some major players, and it looks like we're going to be working together with these guys. And, um, you know, obviously your name came up with the number of people that we've been supporting over the years. So, um, you know, and, and Dee Dee was really the one that, in, that that got this to happen, and um, you know she really uh, has been working hard for you know a lot of these guys, uh, including yourself. And um, you know I, I really feel strong that 2020 is going to be the year that we're finally going to bring enough of these nonprofits together, enough of the grassroots people together, and hopefully get a candidate in there, you know, to be able to kick this stuff around and and finish the job. You know we're there's legislation in Congress right now that could help a lot of guys. It wouldn't necessarily help everybody, but it's at least being talked about in a way that's never been before. There's been, um, you know, uh, I don't know, if you type in marijuana or cannabis into congress.gov, there's 19 or 20-some, you know, legislative acts that are that are in some committee one way or another, and it's it's becoming more and more of a mainstream conversation. And, the criminal justice reform is in no small, no small bit of that. So um, I feel real strongly that this is uh, something that is is going to change this year. But we got to push hard. Now you know our walk for change is also um, we're organizing a number of walks across America that are going to be. You know, America's a big place, and it's like uh, 1,500 miles north to south, and we're going from west to east about 3,000 miles. And, um, you know, we're going to have one main route, but there's going to be a number of smaller marches going across, and we're going to be marching across Kansas. And it looks like we may be marching across Michigan and uh, going through Indiana and uh, and Illinois. So my goal, Craig, is going to be a, a leg of this march is going to be going right across your backyard and that you'll be able to see the walk for change from, from where you are. Where I'm sitting right now, if you can picture a cell block, they're, they're two stories tall and uh, maybe about 100 feet long. On each side, uh, on the two sides, there are all the cells. There's an upstairs and a downstairs. There's a little walkway that goes around the upstairs. I'm sitting on the top of that, on the end of that walkway, on the upstairs, all the way on the end by the window. So on one side of me, I can see all the inmates, you know. Uh, moving around between the cells and the cell blocks, but I can turn around and look out the window and I can see the street that runs in front of the prison. 
if I look to my left, I can see the river that divides Illinois from uh, Indiana. Illinois is now legalized recreational marijuana, and, and there's the difference, you know, just that river makes such a difference to the people, you know, right here as to whether they can possess marijuana or not. And it's those disparities, you know, that I, I think are, are, you know, getting to be a problem and, and just imposing too much on people's lives. Well, you know, you were you were saying before that they cut off your mail. Um, did you get any of the Christmas cards that were sent to you? No, I, I just finally got one today. Wow. And uh, they, they've been holding it for quite a while. The one person brags that, you know, nothing's going to be released until he says so. And that's kind of where I sit at this time. So, no, I haven't gotten Christmas cards yet. Um, and I'm really kind of nervous as I... My sentence is challenged in court, and I have court proceedings regarding my sentence, and I'm afraid that I've missed out on things I I, I should have filed. I hope that that action hasn't been thrown out. Well, it's kind of crazy how <clears throat> the prison system, since it has no oversight at all, they, they just kind of run amok. Well, we are still working in back channels trying to trying to get into this. We've got a lawyer that has, has agreed to, to, to look into it. Again, holiday time screws everything up, and we're still trying to connect all the dots. But there, this is in progress, um, and I, I'm hoping any day to have some good news to, to send to you, that's for sure. That would really be appreciated. I don't know if you noticed, on Sunday on 60 Minutes, there was a special about the Bureau of Prisons and the uh, death of Jeffrey Epstein and the in the special housing unit and really yesterday kind of the same thing happened here in the special housing uh an inmate allegedly hanged himself but he was one of those inmates that was a a big problem for staff so you kind of have to question how how pervasive that practice is uh throughout the BOP. yeah i i you know you gotta wonder if if you're in a in, in a, a, a housing unit that's supposed to, you know, be isolated, there's not a whole lot of methods of, of offing yourself. You know, I guess if you want to smash your head into a wall or something, you could always do that, but most people's will to live would override that. It's, it's not something that most people would, would even be able to do. I, I find it highly suspicious that at least um, that when you look at these people that have suffered these, untimely demises often if you look into their history they seem to be the ones that have been problematic to some of the some of the people that um are supposed to be influencers there yes yes and the, like the special on 60 minutes showed that there's a lot of questions arose uh, regarding the, Je- the jeffrey epstein <laughs> that you know uh the physical evidence uh, really kind of goes against that he actually hanged himself, but instead he was murdered. And, uh, I mean, we see it all the time here as federal prisoners, how, you know, that happens in the shoe, you know, outside of the purview of anybody else seeing what happened. Well, I I know that, um, you know, you, we, we have probably more people listening right now, um, not only to these shows, but... Uh, you know, to this to this movement, to the Walk for Change, to it's a presidential election year. We really have 2020 
in, in my opinion, is our year. Um, we have the opportunity. We're mobilizing. We're organizing. We're gathering together. I've had more conversations with more um, political candidates, leaders of organizations, uh, even church groups. I mean, I seem to be getting connected to all kinds of, um, of groups and, and individuals uh, that have the ability to make a difference, uh, that have a voice and a reach, and it seems like, um, you know, our voice is going from the hundreds to the thousands to the ten thousands, and I think we're going to be reaching millions by the middle of the year as the Walk for Change gets launched. Well, you know, I think that um, if we start to organize the citizens as aware individuals, and, you know, we've been hornswoggled for generations uh, by government promising us this and giving us that. You know, every election cycle, you listen to the candidates, and if I am elected, I will, and they just say all this stuff like they got a magic wand. And everybody sits there and goes, oh, cool, I'll vote for him because he said he'll give me all the lollipops and pizzas. And, you know, the truth is we live in this world where really when the people decide they want something and they're willing to get up and march for it, they'll get it. And, you know, you look at, at places uh, across the world over the last 10, 20 years, and there's been some big changes that have happened. And, uh, you know, there's there's some big, big actions happening Across the country right now, or I mean across the world over in Hong Kong, you know, you got this giant superpower China going, oh, crap, what are we doing here? And, um, you know, these guys are standing up for three months in a row. They're standing up, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, and they're people that are they're, they're tired of it. And I think that, you know, we could easily do the same thing here. It's just about getting it started, lighting that match, that shot her around the world, and getting people to go, oh, wow, this is really working. Where can I sign up? Craig, there's your first beep already, so I'm going to go ahead and give you the floor um, for the last few minutes you got here. Well, thank you, thank you. And uh, you're, you're definitely right. The people in Hong Kong aren't just being held, being heard in Beijing. They're being heard around the world. And they have so much power to, to control their future and to – you know, get what they actually want rather than what their government wants to give them. <laughs> and uh, I hope that that comes for marijuana and for uh, criminal prosecutions. Make them truly what the people, you know, who they should be prosecuting and for what crime should be prosecuted in prison rather than, you know, the easy drug-using uh, people that they can, you know, pick up willy-nilly. And... And there we go. Craig Cecil gets cut off 15 minutes into the call, like every week. Um, you know, it breaks my heart. Um, you know, and Dan, I, I I do this every every week. We I, I usually have a guest on. Craig usually calls in in the middle, breaks up the the conversation a bit. But but to understand, this man in here, he's serving life in prison, and there was no victim, like. Nobody was affected negatively by his so-called crime. And, in fact, everybody else that's involved with his giant smuggling ring that he was fixing trucks for is out. He's the last man in there. And 
I don't know if you've ever been to court, if you've ever sat into a, uh, a sentencing hearing or sat through a trial, but I, I have many, many times. And every time that there's a real crime in a sentencing hearing, they have what's called a, a victim impact statements. And the victims and the victim's family will come forward and they'll talk about how uh, these crimes affected the victim and the victim's right. family. And, and it's, it's, it's heartbreaking, you know, to listen to the, to the impact of a violent crime, you know, and, 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 and how, you know, this whole family is ruined and the child and the, and, the, and the brother and the father and the mother and everybody that's connected, their whole lives are shattered and, and, and because of this one act that happened. And I, I listened to one that was a rape and, and, and it was a horrible, just a horrible story. And right after that was the pot case. And, and and it's such a it's such a contrast, you know, when you look at these two things. In one case, you have true crime that is why prisons were built to keep these these heinous, violent people away from society and and to have you know some some retribution. But then on the other side of it, you have a sentencing for a pot case, and always, without exception, at least in my experience so far. There's been no victim and no victim's family. In fact, it's quite the opposite. What ends up happening is you have people testifying on behalf of the defendant as character reference statements, and you have people going up, and, and if the judge allows, talking about how this person is, uh, is a benefit to society and, and, and should, be, you know, uh, um, should be looked on leniently and such a contrast. And Craig Cecil has come up many, many times and said, um, you know, if you would just treat me like you would a violent criminal, I'd probably be out already. He's been locked up for 17 years. And how many murderers and rapists and violent criminals get out in 10 years or less? You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, absolutely, um, it's absolutely shocking to think that, you know, this is the system we live in. So I'm gonna, I, I've got a guest on the on the phones who his name's George Martorano and I don't know if you've ever heard about him but he served 32 years in federal prison for punt and he had a life sentence and he fought his way and he and he kept fighting and he kept fighting and he kept fighting and and in addition to being a stellar um, model prisoner and 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 organizing um, educational programs and mentoring and helping people he also fought for his own freedom, and eventually he got out a couple of years back. And George gets a couple of minutes. He pops on the show and, and has a little something to say. So I'm going to bring him up real quick, and then we'll continue our conversation. What do you say? All right. Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. All right. Let's see. we got George Martorano here. Hey, Joe. Hey, brother. George Martorano, how are you doing today? How's it going? How's my how's my West Coast family out there? How's everybody? We are doing fantastic. I've actually got a candidate for president um, as a guest today, and he's uh, running as a libertarian. What would you say to a man who's running for president uh, in 2020 right now? What would you say to this guy? Well, I would say he has his, uh, his work cut out for him, number one, and uh, and, uh, and I'm sure he's truthful, always to be truthful. I think America is so hungry for change. I mean, I think a guy can can come across uh, American shores on a raft, 
And if he if he says the right things, he can win one the brother for president. But um, tonight I'm I, very happy. I'm very uh, excited. Uh, you know, my Cannabis for Guns program, ladies and gentlemen, CannabisForGuns.com, I've been trying for years. I'm just going around the country trying to implement this program. Uh, Philadelphia, the city that I live in, we have, I think we're number number. I think we became number one for gun violence and deaths in America. And finally, finally, I'm going to have a clandestine meeting, a uh, private meeting with the mayor to uh, look at this program because they, they've tried everything and nothing's working. Nothing's working. If I can get one mayor from a major uh, uh, city like Philadelphia work with me, I can make a lot of change. It'll be a domino effect around America, finally. Costs nothing because, you know, marijuana is a plant. I did 32 plus years for for plant, and um, it costs nothing, but we can save lives. So finally, finally, people are starting to pay attention. And ladies and gentlemen, people pay attention when you stay the course. Stay the course. You know, uh, don't sell out uh, uh, like the uh, human solutions people. Uh, I just got offered uh, to uh, market a product, uh, CBD products in California, but that's selling out. The only product I would mark, I'm branding now under my name. So, you know, integrity is important. And uh, and thank God that Joe and his organization, they, they'll never lose integrity. So I'm just so proud to be a part of it. I want to share that with everyone tonight. Thank you. Absolutely, George. Well, I appreciate, as always, you coming on. And, you know, when we're talking, we just had Craig Cecil on, who's still behind bars. And we're, we're working on getting Michael Thompson out of state prison right now. And, um, you know, we're, we're joining together with a number of, uh, of movers and shakers right now. And I, I think you're going to be proud this year, George, when you see the Walk for Change um, as it's developing and the people and the organizations that we're connecting with. Um, I think we're really doing it. I think we're finally stepping up onto the big stage. And um, I think we're about ready to show this world what, what people can do when they put their minds and hearts to it. Yeah, it's just it's, we just have to stay the course. It's, you know, it's uh, it's it's not easy. You know, everyone's getting older. <clears throat> they have lives, they have bills to pay. But thank God, there's people like uh, you, Joe, with Human Solutions that stay the course. We must stay the course, ladies and gentlemen. We must not falter. So I'm so proud yeah. of uh, my my where I'm at today. Uh, I own the Hip Hem Cafe. You can see that hiphemcafe.com. And uh, we employ a lot of young people, and hopefully a few years from now we'll have I will employ a couple hundred people. So uh, you know, it's about helping others. It's always about helping others if you stay the course. It's true. It's so true. Well, George, we know you've helped out so many people, and and throughout your life, and and you know the stories that you have. Um, you never you never gave up. You never sold out, and you always. Walk the high road. Everything I've heard about you, everything I know about you, um, you've always had the integrity. Always somebody that you would you would want to look up to. So um, you know, like you said, you keep showing up. You keep showing the world what it's what it's supposed to be like. What what, what somebody can do, regardless of what what yeah. adversity yeah. you would face. You always can do something. I've spoke on stages all around America. I spoke to tens of thousands, but it's that one on one. When you're walking down the street, and it uh, happens to me uh, uh, five, six times a month, a mother comes up to me, 
and she has a young person in her life that's traumatic. He's here, she's not doing the right thing. So you take time, take time to talk. And CBD, especially I'm in the CBD industry, ladies and gentlemen. Again, look at the hiphempcafe.com. It's about helping others. It's about the plant. The plant is about helping others. And uh, hopefully, hopefully, we'll get the government to understand that the plant can save a lot of lives. You bet. Well, George, when are we going to see you? When are you planning on coming out to the west side? I should. You're going to see me real soon. I would say, if not this month, guaranteed in February, Joe. You got my word. Guaranteed in February. Well, I'm looking right. forward to it. As always, we love All to right. have you every and uh, I look forward to uh, look forward to seeing you in person again. All right. Thank you. Say, uh, All right. Thank you so, so everybody see. Thank you. All right. George Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. So, so Dan, uh, you know, you've got a, a, a little taste of, of this little family we have here. And, um, you know, we've been around for about 10 years. Um, as a as a nonprofit helping out victims of the drug war and and um, defendants and prisoners and and civil rights cases, we're actually standing up for veterans' rights and disabled rights and Native American rights and you know really it's it's all about human rights and um, right. you know you would think here in America we wouldn't have issues with that you know this is the <laughs> land of the free and home of the brave and all that good stuff but you know the truth is. Um, it's still a place where people that can seem to uh, oppress others. And, and um, you know, where, why don't you tell us a little bit about where you come from? Tell us about, you know, what brought you here. This is clearly not a place that everybody lands. Um, right. You, you must have a story about what, what brought you to here. Yes. Yeah, so I grew up in Los Angeles, and I think everybody around me was kind of left out there. Um, so there was, you know, this, uh, my mom was always involved with charities when I was a kid, so I got to see, you know, kind of that. Like, she would always, um, uh, you know, uh, do the uh, uh, toys for um, the less fortunate, the homeless kids, um, you know, a lot of that. So, so and, and she worked with a lot of different organizations. So seeing a lot of that kind of built that sort of compassionate side inside of me for wanting to help people who are, you know, stuck in that trap. Um, and of course, I was, you know, I was so young, I didn't really understand what that trap was. How did people get there? Where they just, I guess, they were just born that way. And that's, and and you know, that's that's kind of how a kid sees it. And I used to even think, like, well, why doesn't the government's got so much money? Why don't they just solve all these problems? And so that kind of set me on a course of like, how can we solve these problems? And I remember I even asked my mom once, why don't they just, why don't they just print more money to solve <laughs> these problems? They do. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, so she started teaching me about inflation and stuff like that. So, um, so that was interesting. But then I started, like, as I became a teenager, I started getting, you know, in a little bit of trouble with the law from mostly traffic tickets and parking tickets and stuff like that. And I, I kind of wanted to understand this system. And I kind of knew, like, okay, yeah, I broke the rules. But then at the same time, I was like, wait a minute. What these guys are doing seems kind of criminal. So I started trying to figure out how can I, how can I beat this system? And the more I got into it, the more I discovered that this court system that they have, laws that they're enforcing, are not even technically, I mean, they're using fake courts. There's this whole system of smoke and mirrors. 
Um, there is a lot of it's not even constitutional. A lot of it is they're taking laws that don't apply to people, but then they're convincing them that they do apply to them. Um, and just all these, uh, like these, these fraudulent crimes that the government is committing against us. And so that kind of got me into start thinking about like, hey, this isn't right. And then of course, um, this was, um, we started getting into the war with Afghanistan and, and the Twin Towers got, uh, got hit and, and uh, I almost said bomb, which I don't know. <laughs> that's, I guess that's, that's a whole other conversation. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, like we started getting into that and I was like, why are, why are we always at war? And I started like questioning, like, is this all over oil? Uh, like, are they like, are we like, what's really going on here? And so then I started following uh, Ron Paul and I started following the tax protesters and, and all of these people. I got into fights with the IRS and the franchise tax board in California, which is, according to a lot of people, much worse than the IRS. It is. Um, I've been a Californian all my life, and I've been hammered by the Franchise Tax Board. I'm, I'm it, always at war yeah, with them. It's, it's absolutely insane. So uh, then I ended up moving to Texas, and uh, I, I – cause it, so in California, I started, like, developing this thought of, like, hey, like, this, this, this government is treating us like we're a prison – and moving to Texas, it was really great because I got to meet a lot more people because Texans in general are more, you know, they're all about self-defense and gun rights and protecting ourselves in small government, and they don't like taxes. They don't have a state income tax. Um, so it was really great to kind of um, uh, broaden that and, and my perspective of the world and talk to a lot of different people with, with kind of a, a different perspective, more of the Republican right side. Um, but at the same time, a lot of them were still, you know, oh, cannabis is bad. We need to put those people in jail. We need to have closed borders. We need, you know, these people don't deserve this. These people don't deserve that. And it's like, wait a minute. This, that doesn't sound uh, very right either. So I started trying to figure out, like, like, what is all of this? What is this world that we live in? And what's the best way that, that us as people, as humans, can, can coexist with each other? Because obviously, if, if, if you have, like, group A and group B and group A is in charge, it's going to hurt group B. And if group B is in charge, it's going to hurt group A. Why can't we have a system where nobody's in charge of the other and everyone's able to just live their lives as free people without harming the other group? Um, and so that's kind of how I've, I've set out into figuring, you know, how do we solve all these problems? How do we solve the healthcare problem, um, the, the college education, the student debt, um, you know, all of these problems that we have, and when you start, like, figuring out, okay, what happens when you take government out of the equation? Everything goes back to normal. And it's, it's really interesting to see. Like, we hear so much about all these greedy corporations that are screwing people over and make, making these massive profits. That's only possible because of government. In pharmaceuticals, it's because government's preventing import. It's preventing competition. It's preventing all these different things that allow one company to sell a drug for a, a ridiculously high price. And you can even prove it just by looking at uh, that the countries next door, Canada and Mexico, and say, well, how come you can get the same drugs there for a fraction of the price that you can get here in the U.S.? It's all because of the laws. The only difference is the laws. It's, it's not yeah, we could have a, a, a long conversation about the FDA and, and, and right. uh, the rules of that, and I'd like to do that. Here's the deal. I'm running low on time, and I have still a lot more I'd like to talk to you about. Um, and so I, I would like to bring you back as a guest um, to continue this conversation, um, but I'd like to kind of fast-track the, 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 this to a place where 
Um, you know, uh, how are you funding your campaign? I mean, this is obviously a, a presidential campaign. People are spending millions and millions or tens of millions of dollars, um, probably even more than that, um, on, on, a, on a campaign. Um, it almost seems, you know, futile to be a grassroots guy. But then if you look at somebody, you know, like Obama who did all this, you know, small donation uh, fundraising that actually worked for the first time ever, um, you know, it seems like, well, hell, anything could happen. So what's, what's your plan to, to raise money to, to get your voice out there? Right. So um, there's a few different ways to look at it. One is we are working on getting small donations from as many people as we can. Um, right now we're working to get 1,000 people on our $5 a month plan, so everyone's contributing $5 a month, and that covers our convention expenses and a lot of the advertising that we're doing. Um, the other thing is we're, we're spending this money a lot more efficiently than some of the big guys are doing. So, um, you know, we're making every dollar that we have go further. We're not doing expensive yard signs and buses and, and traveling all over the country. A lot of the appearances we're doing are virtual. Of course, we are traveling to the, um, to the state conventions, and we're trying to meet as many people as we can. Um, but it, it makes more sense with, with, you know, the miracle of the Internet, just being able to communicate with so many people so much more efficiently that we can really stretch this money because ultimately that's the name of the game. It's, it's, you know, we have this message. We need to get it in front of as many people as possible. We need to do it. And, and we have very little money compared to the big guys. We need to be as efficient as possible. Um, but we are trying to get uh, a lot of small donations. We have a lot of medium-sized uh, donations. And, of course, I put a lot of my own money into it, too, because this is a message that I really believe in, and I'm, I believe it's worth investing in. Um, I know going forward, I'm kind, of, I'm kind of relatively new to this. I ran for the Texas State House, so not a lot of people know me. They don't know if I'm worth investing this money into. But um, as of right now, I am one of the front runners for the Libertarian nomination. If I get that, that kind of um, you know, sets us up to get a lot of donations from uh, the existing libertarian infrastructure. And I'm going to continue to do this. I mean, this is like, this is a, a very passionate part of my life. I'm not here to, to run once and then disappear. I'm here to keep this going. If we don't get it this time, we'll continue doing it over and over and over again. And as more people see um, this brand that we're building, they, they understand that this is really something that I really do believe in and that I'm trying to achieve. We are going to um, grow at a massive scale the number of donations that we're bringing in. Well, yeah, it's interesting. Um, I've noticed that with most of the libertarian candidates, um, uh, a, a lot younger crowd than, uh, say, some of the other candidates that are that are out there. I mean, if if either of the top two, uh, the Democrat or the Republican, gets in, we're looking at some of the oldest presidents that 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 have ever been held in office. And you think to yourself, what the hell do these guys have to do with the rest of us? You know, these these are people that were that were in the <coughs> political machine or the or the the, um, the 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 commercial machine back in the 60s and 70s, and 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 they're so this is such a different world um, today, and and the people that are here today weren't even there, um, you know, or or were very young at those times. So you got to wonder, you know, when when do we get a youngster coming back into the office? You know, it's been uh, a lot of years. I mean, Obama wasn't 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 old, but he wasn't young either. And um, you know, so um, I, I think that there's there's I think there's the need for a fresh outlook, no matter what happens. Um, and so 
I would definitely, uh, you know, like to bring you up forward and go deeper um, into this conversation. But I, I, before you go, I wanted to uh, uh, see what you have to say about our walk for change. I know that you've, you've had that uh, cross your bow a couple of times. We're literally going to be marching from California to Washington, D.C., and having a number of auxiliary walks happening along the way, going from west to east. And our message is, is simple, that uh, we, the people, um, have some changes that we want to see. And they're not just ending cannabis prohibition. They're, um, we have people that, that genuinely want to change the criminal justice code. There's people that um, are walking for Native American rights. There's people that are walking for the right to clean water. You know, we have places in America where people can't drink their drinking water because it got ruined. Well, that's not a citizen's fault. I think we do have a right to clean water. Um, and there's so many other reasons why people are marching. You know, I, I believe our right to choose is, is, is a value. You know, uh, women have a right to choose, and I'm saying this somewhat metaphorically, but, but really, you know, the Supreme Court has honored certain rights, and yet I don't have a right. Well, I do, but the government hasn't honored my right to choose what I put into my body or even maybe what I don't put into my body, you know, and, and – these are things that we're saying, you know what, I think we can demand that. I think that, that through political change, through the will of the people, um, that if we get out there and say, look, it's time, and, and as we're marching across from state to state, and, and in some cases we'll be in four states at once, you know, it's a, it's a wide country, um, and, and we're going to be given an opportunity for political candidates to come up and tell us, you know, well, what are you going to do to honor what our walk for change is about? You know, well, what we're we're out there walking the walk, literally, and we're putting right. our our time and our and our energy, and we've been spending six months planning this, and we're gaining sponsorship, and we're literally going to be marching across this country. Um, you know, what do you say to people that are willing to get out there and do that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's amazing what you're doing, um, and hopefully I'll be able to cross paths with you a couple times uh, while I'm out campaigning. Good. Um, but it's, it's, you know, it really is that because I, it, it's difficult because on one hand you want to tell people, look, if you want real change, you got to get off the couch, you got to get out and do something about it. At the same time, part of the change that we have is we're 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 stuffed into the system where we have to continue to work. There's so many people who who can't join a march or can't get out and, and you know for an extended period of time because because they they're worried about their jobs Monday through Friday I got to work and it's it, it, it's really difficult but at the same time we have to recognize that that's that's part of the problem that's there intentionally we always hear politicians talking about we need a, a zero percent unemployment rate a hundred percent employment what does that really mean that means you've got everybody in the system working 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 with no free time to get out and protest what the government is doing so while the government sounds like they have our best interest at heart saying like yeah let's, let's keep everybody working the reality is we shouldn't have to work so hard and if we get rid of all these taxes that they're imposing on us we would actually be able to work less and, and have more fruitful lives more prosperity we'd, we'd be able to I mean so many people want to have self-sustaining lives and, and live off the grid and the government's made that practically impossible by taxing everything and so you know it, it's a very limited number of people and I really admire that you know you've got so many people who are willing to take that much of their own time and dedicating it um, to to this walk which I know is going to take a very long time because it's a, it's a very long country country um, <laughs> 
bully pulpit points, but but you know to get to know somebody a little bit um, and and to you know probe a little deeper into where you're coming from and and, and really what you're looking to do. Um, I think that's what gets somebody to maybe get inspired to be part of this and maybe help out. So I appreciate you coming Absolutely. on, and, um, you know, I, I appreciate your, your support with our Walk for Change. All right. We'll talk soon. Awesome. Dad Behrman, folks, and uh, Libertarian candidate for president in 2020. All right. So uh, we're at the end of our one hour, and um, we're going to get Dana Bland up here real quick, and we got Tom Corby um, to wrap up the show. And uh, Dana Bland is uh, chapter coordinator in Missouri, Hope for Change in the End of Prohibition chapter. And uh, Dana has been very active, and he's been working real hard to support the local cannabis defendants. He was a defendant himself recently, and um, he felt what it was like to be supported by the community, and now he's um, returning the favor and supporting a number of people. In fact, he's uh, going to be uh, supporting Jennifer Hess here real soon. Dana, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Oh, we're doing all right. We're getting ready to leave out there early in the morning uh, with posters and green balloons and do whatever we can to disrupt and cause them if people out there to take and change their mind and think about what they're doing to people because uh, they just can't keep doing this to other people. I mean, it's happening all over the place. Uh, we got a whole lot of cases down here. Of course, the Jennifer Hess case tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. or 9.30, I'll be there uh, at about 10 a.m. is when the case is. But we're going to do some protesting. Yeah, that is fantastic. Jennifer's case is a, is a heartbreaker. Uh, her husband uh, passed away in custody. Um, her kids have been taken from her. We actually raised up a number, of, a bunch of money, and and donated a bunch of time to fix her uh, her house up so that hopefully soon she'll have her kids back, at least in her custody. And um, I'm hoping that we get some real positive uh, uh, results in the courtroom. It's a ridiculous case. Um, you know, it, it it breaks my heart when I when I see these cases where there's some small amount of pot and they go. And they come in heavy-handed, and and you know to take away somebody's kid, um, regardless of what happened. I mean, the, the fact that the husband died in custody is just—it's you can't even wrap your head around that. I mean, that's just like uh, you would think the state would just say, you know what, we're good. You've been punished enough. I'm sorry, and walk away from it. But no, they 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 double down, and uh, they're still going after these criminal charges. So. Um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm hoping we get a good support out there, and uh, you guys have been doing great bringing the team out there. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little <clears throat> perturbed about what's going on. Same thing's happening out there in uh, uh, north of Kansas City with the case that's uh, going on up there in Galligan. Uh, <clears throat> but I mean, the same with her her case. This, this they got you know they got to learn that that the people will speak. And uh, we we took and put our money in, and people put their labor and time and fixed their house up the way they wanted to, and then they still haven't given their kids back. So I'm a little upset about that. And then uh, the 15th, we're going up to uh, Galligan, and there's going to be a really big protest up there. Uh, they're trying to become a hardcore, hardline since Amendment 2 now here in the state of Missouri. 
And then uh, the end of the month, we got uh, Zachariah Salazar up there in California, Missouri. Another and ridiculous case. Several, several other cases coming down the tube. So, yeah, there's uh, it, it, a lot going on. <coughs> yeah, Missouri has turned I mean, the out to way be. way to really solve all this is. Yeah, Missouri's turned out to be a real hotbed. Missouri and Kansas, um, both right up next to each other, um, have just turned out to be uh, a real hotbed of, of, of prohibition, you know. And, you know, Missouri passed a law that's supposed to allow access, and Kansas is getting close. And it, it's just like nobody's learning. You know, nobody's learning. These are not violent people. These are not people that, that even have victims involved. And yet they're still uh, oppressing and pushing on these cases, spending tax dollars, and um, you know the stakes are so ridiculous. I mean, you know, people are looking at many years in prison if they get convicted, and they're still standing up to fight, which is, you know, it, it's telling. Yeah, uh, the big, the biggest, the big thing is is to, you know, just not be afraid and get out there because the bigger our numbers, the least, you know, there's a lot less chance that they're going to do anything to us. Uh, we kind of proved that up there in Galligan. Uh, one of the guys brought uh, buds into the courtroom and and brought him out into the open, and they did not <laughs> arrest him. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I mean, well, I don't recommend that, but I definitely uh, appreciate both when I see it. <laughs> They they almost have no choice but to respect you. 
You know, you can't, if, if you're not causing any trouble, yeah. they don't have any grounds to have a problem with you. And if you're, if you're being supportive of somebody, if you think about it, their experience in court is that when a cop has um, been shot at or had a problem, there's a lot of support for those guys generally. Um, if, if there's a, a high-profile case, um, there's usually support for the victim. There's almost never support for a defendant. And yet when we show up in support for that defendant, it stands out. They know that when the community comes to stand up for somebody, that there's some reason for that. Um, people don't stand up for thugs. They don't stand up for gangsters. They don't stand up uh, for criminals that cause problems. They just don't. And, um, we, you know, when we show up and, and we're effective, it, it carries weight. And I've watched it affect the outcome of cases all across the country in, in state cases, family cases, federal cases, everywhere we go. If we do it right, it makes a difference. Well, listen, Dana, we're running really low on time, but um, if somebody wants to get involved with the Hope for Change and the End of Prohibition chapter in Missouri and wants to get helping out with some of these cases which we desperately need, how do they get a hold of you? Okay. Uh, I'm Hope for Change and the End of Prohibition, the Human Solutions International Chapter, a court support unit here in southwest Missouri. And it's not just for pot cases or marijuana or, you know, cannabis or anything like that. We've got a lot of cases going on that have that mixed in with, uh, uh, like, uh, Child Protective Services going around and taking people's kids away from them. And we're, we've got a lot of people calling on that, too. So uh, our number is 417-847-7974. You can call me anytime. Leave a message if I don't answer because there's a lot of roll calls these days. Uh, and I will get back with you, and I, I will definitely get back with you on Facebook if you come, contact me there. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Dana, and I'm uh, just so proud to be working with you and all the good work you're doing out there in Missouri, and uh, you're showing us how it's done. So appreciate it. Dana Bland, folks, hope for change in the end of Prohibition chapter of the Human Solution out of Missouri. All right. <laughs> awesome. All right, well, folks, we're uh, we're running to the end of the show. We're going to bring up Tom Corby, but before I do, um, I want to, you know, talk about the Walk for Change real briefly. Um, you know, we have so much going on right now, and we're about to really have some big announcements regarding the Walk for Change. Um, we want your help. You can be part of this. You don't have to walk across America. You can come and join one of these one of these auxiliary walks, a mile marker walk, you can you can walk for a day. You can show up at a rally. You can help uh, be a be a a road supporter. We we need every kind of help you can imagine. We need uh, writers. We need people that can make signs. We we need people to just talk about why they're walking, why they would walk. We need we need to speak with one voice, and we need your help with that. So if you want to get involved in any way, shape, or form. We have a website that is walk4change.us, walk4change.us, and um, that we've been polishing up this site, making it user-friendly, making it happen to where you can pop in there and uh, uh, connect with this team. We've got a great team of leaders. We've got a great team of, of support. We've got volunteer coordinators that's waiting for you to sign up and, and say, I want to help, and um, there's just so many places that you can be part of this. Consider this, the Walk for Change is going to have a defining role in human history. When this thing gets started, 
you're going to go, holy cow, he was telling the truth. So we just would love to have you be a part of it at this point now rather than at the last second after everything's all said and done and then you come in, you know, throwing in a pot of beans, which, of course, would always be welcome, but it would be much more helpful today. Um, uh, help us get this thing together. Bring it up to what it can be. All right, folks, we got Tom Corby, the mighty warrior from NorCal. Uh, let's see what Tom's got to say, and then we're going to close her down the hour and a half hour podcast. Tom Corby, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Uh, I want to thank you, Joe, uh, Lisa, for screening today at a coffee party radio show. Uh, here uh, with my good friends, Frank and Ann, and Darius is Suzanne. I want to thank them so much and all our friends that come and are helping us. It's tough getting old. <laughs> uh, you like to say a little something, Daria? Oh, I don't, <laughs> you put me on the spot, Tom. <laughs> you can't. But you get her started. You can't. You can't stop them. <laughs> and Frank. Go ahead. Yeah. Hey, Joe. Hey, everybody at the Coffee Radio hey, Show. Woo woo. Miss you guys. Love you guys. Yeah, right back to you. Right back to you. All right. I'm going to try to get down soon. It'd be great to see you. You always got a place down here. You know that. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. You betcha. We'll put you oh, to we, work oh, out oh, here with the proper change. All right. I'm all about it. Excellent. Excellent. I'll make it happen. Well, what do you got to say, Tom? We're uh, first uh, first. First show of the year. Happy New Year to you and the, the whole Happy Hill crew. Oh, well, back at you. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. So uh, when we talk about uh, icons and cannabis warriors, uh, it's a sad day in NorCal. Our very good friend, B.E. Smith has passed on uh, just a couple minutes or seconds of silence. Uh, it's another warrior gone, but like Bobby just said, not forgotten. B.E. Smith, I was fortunate enough. I don't know if you were Joe up in, up in Shasta. Oh, yeah, I remember him. Yes, of course. And uh, B.E. Smith, uh, when we talk about uh, cases, all of our cases are pretty small compared to what he went through. Also, he's on Weed Wars, Weed Country. There's five episodes. Uh, uh, You can go catch those. They're they're very good to, uh, to watch, enjoy them. So I'm reading here, uh, United States versus B.E. Smith, 1997 to 2001. Now, that's right after the Controlled Substance Act was passed in 96. So, uh, and that's up in Trinity County, which is the the triangle 
which Butte County down here were at the tail end of the of the triangle. But on the other hand, we we grow better medicine because we get more sun here, not a lot of clouds. Uh, yeah, so uh, we always have try to have the best medicine for ourselves and our patients, and it better be organic. <laughs> we don't need pesticides in Monsanto. Uh, e. Smith, uh, well, how he won his case was not only uh, the application he got uh, and the help he got, good attorneys, but he worked his case himself. And something I haven't brought up yet that's so important when you're working these cases, be, besides uh, filing your motions, uh, probable cause motions, getting. Uh, you want to use the Constitution. B. Smith was a master and of the Constitution, and he used to come down to uh, Lulu's in Reading, and he would give a talk. He wouldn't he didn't want anything, maybe a little flower, and he'd, he'd give talks on the Constitution. Uh, my first thoughts are that on any of these cases, and when we talk about court support and our green ribbons, we have our First Amendment right to protest. And uh, also our Fourth Amendment right to privacy, and also I think the 14th, 14th Amendment. We can be using the Constitution to help win our cases also. Uh, it's a it's a tough one. Uh, yeah, it, it is really tough getting old, <laughs> and, and uh, uh, yeah, I just I just losing my breath here a little bit uh, thinking about B.E. Smith up there, and uh, court support uh, is so important, and like Joe said earlier. Uh, we have a right to be there, and we're not there to make trouble. We're there. Uh, I remember one case. Uh, uh, I was there with a defendant here uh, in, in Butte County, and uh, with his mom. And the judge asked me, "Sir," and I looked around. And he said, "You, me?" And I stood up and I talked to that judge. And he asked me what, what my purpose was to be there. I said to to to, to support uh, this defendant and his family, to advocate and give him some guidance. He, he liked that. Now the whole courtroom stopped. And they wanted me to go on and talk. <laughs> and I have, you know, so. Uh, yeah, court support, the Constitution, and and filing your. A probable cause motion. Most of these cases are entrapment, uh, uh, and there's no probable cause. And so we will want to come, and we never back down. We take them on, and we always take them to trial. They don't like that word. They don't like the word trial because, see, in trial, you're not talking to a judge that's working with the DA sometimes. You're talking to the we the people, and when we when we know that at seventy percent, at least, of people today 
have tried or have used cannabis, even in the ones that that, that haven't, uh, they agree that we should allow be allowed to have our medicine. So we always stand our ground and we take them on. We don't back down like uh, like Bobby, uh, Jared. Uh, he's supposed to be on his way down here uh, from Crescent City. Uh, you always, you can throw that uh, 45, uh, waive your rights, to time waiver. That What that says is when you do that, you want a speedy trial. Well, they have to take you to trial within 45 days. Well, guess what? We had that, a case like that up here, and 45 days went by, then a month, then two months. Well, guess what? Also, the case was finally, finally dismissed. Uh, I was. I think that uh, I mentioned uh, with with, uh, with Glenn Keaton uh, about your case. That uh, again, the, what we see here, and Joe knows with his case, my case, Frank's case, Alex's case, uh, all our cases usually take three or four years. During that three or four years, you will get an education. Believe me. <laughs> and uh, when you take these people to uh, trial, and he spends the trial, and you're talking to the jury, that's what gets the bacon. So we always stand our ground and take them on. Uh, 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 I think that. That's about all I have to say. And Mr. Joe, if you want to have you had any questions or anything? Well, Tom, I think we're uh, we're 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 beyond the scope of our show right now. We're uh, we're supposed to be an hour show, and we're an hour and a half and a bit beyond that. So uh, I think that uh, next week we'll uh, we'll bring you up a little sooner, so we'll get a little more time to talk. And you know, I, I you have such a wealth of experience. I always. Uh, I always like to to hear what you have to say, and you know you're a man who who is not a man of brevity, but you are a man of fortitude. And I've watched you stand your ground, and I've watched you be there for so many people. So um, I think that's the lesson here: is we just need to keep on showing up. We need to be there for each other. We need to remember how important that is, and uh, to be effective. So I appreciate everything, Tom, and um, I think we're gonna wrap this show up and uh, see what old Mr. Willie Nelson has to say about the human solution and, and get on back to it for next week. Thanks, Joe. All right. Thank you so much, Tom Corby. And, uh, you know, I thank everybody for being here. <coughs> we have so much to do. Um, appreciate everybody who's helping out. And if you're not helping out and you're just listening, um, come aboard. org, the Human Solution International we could use some more help. Uh, the Walk for Change, walk4change.us. Uh, we'd love to have you help. See you next week. Oh. Whoops, wrong one. How about that one? Boy, I'm watching this thing. Here we go. Uh, you know, I got so many things here. Let's try it. Why isn't it not going? Come on, Willie. Here we go. 
Hi, I'm Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse the human solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little things I should have said and done, you were all. 